Hi, this is Mercedes, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday Sermon. It's great to be with you once again. So excited. If you're new to joining us today, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're continuing in our sermon series called Word to the Wise, Themes from the Book of Proverbs. Now, last week, we began by discussing the fear of the Lord. We unpacked that concept and made it clear that God's intention is not for us to be afraid of him, but that we would have reverence for him, that we would understand his magnificent and awesome power as the creator of the universe. Today in part two, we're going to talk about a part of our lives that applies to everyone, and that is work. Do you know the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime? That's approximately half your life. An article published in the Business Insider a few years ago detailed some interesting facts about the workplace. For instance, 80% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. On average, Americans work eight different jobs before they are 30. 25% of employees say that work is their main source of stress, and 40% say their work is very or extremely stressful. More than 13 million working days are lost every year because of stress-related illnesses. The average American spends 100 hours commuting each year. 64% of Americans canceled vacations last year. One-third did it for work-related reasons, even though most felt they were more in need of a vacation than the year before. In the United States, workers take an average of 57% of their vacation days. That means most of us voluntarily give up about 50% of the time off that we are legally entitled to, and so we continue to work instead. And lastly, 25% of people check in to work hourly while on vacation. They do that via email and phone. 59% say they check work during traditional holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Basically, work is everywhere. Now, work is everywhere. Everyone will be called to work in one way or another. Are we all destined to be dissatisfied and stressed during our work life? How do we approach our work? How should we understand the purpose of our work? How can we approach Monday morning with joy instead of dread? How should our faith impact our work lives? We're going to answer all those questions and more shortly, but right now, join me in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your incredible love, and for talking today about the wisdom of work. Thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Work has always been important in our culture. America grew in cultural dominance because of the people's ability to work. Although there were many who still value work, there are others who give work an inordinate amount of power in their lives. In other words, it becomes too much of an influence in their lives. Some work too much, while others don't work enough. Now here in Proverbs, Solomon hoped to encourage and warn young people to have them see the importance of work while guarding against the dangers of poor work habits. So let's start today by talking about the theology of work. What we believe shapes how we live. And we talked about that last week, that if we want to live right, we first have got to believe right. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So work has always been part of God's world. In fact, God designed it. Work was established in the opening two chapters of Genesis. 
After God created Adam and Eve, it says in Genesis 1.28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God called Adam and Eve to work, and so work was created and designed by God, and it was and is good. But then God cursed work. The world used to cooperate alongside humanity to bring joy to a person's hands when they worked the ground. But after man's sinful rebellion, God cursed our work by saying to Adam in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Now the ground works against humanity. The sweat that Adam experienced in the garden is like stress we feel before walking into the office on Monday morning before a presentation. The curse brought sweat and stress into our work. But God didn't leave it there. He had pity on humanity, and so he redeemed work. We were under the curse of sin and death, so God sent his son Jesus to redeem us from the curse. Galatians 3:13 and 14 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Christ became a curse to reverse the curse. He came that we may have life and life abundantly, John 10.10. 10. He restored purpose in our work. He restored promises from our work. We no longer live to serve ourselves in our work, but we now live to serve him. A key text on work is found in Colossians 3, verses 22 to 24, where Paul redefines our work by redefining our master. He writes, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just because they're watching you. Serve them sincerely with reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Every day we work, we're serving Jesus Christ. This should give us a purpose in any job, whether it's a full-time job, a part-time job, a side hustle, volunteer program, backyard gardener, or stay-at-home parent. Every job has value because it should be done for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that we've unpacked the theology of work, let's talk about how the wise work diligently. All of the urgings and encouragement to work wisely can be summed up in one word, diligence. Diligence is the constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Persistent exertion of body or mind, careful and persistent effort. This is something that our society desperately needs to get back. According to God's word, the wise will work hard. And besides honoring the Lord, there are practical benefits to working diligently. One of those benefits is we have resources. It's easy to spiritualize work, but we can't avoid the fact that we work to get money to pay our bills and put food on the table. That's cool. Proverbs are generally true, but not always. There are people who work hard but are still in poverty. And although it's true that some hard workers are poor, often those who become wealthy are diligent. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy people are soon poor. 
hard workers get rich. These hard workers will not always have the greatest profit margins, but they always do what they do with quality, so their work comes back upon them. And as a result of their attention to detail, their godly work ethic, and their desire to glorify God in all they do, they are rewarded. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Diligence doesn't come naturally to us, folks. It's the result of strong character. So we shouldn't be looking for quick and easy answers. Instead, we should be a diligent worker for God. Consider the ant. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. The point here is to work hard, work steady, and you'll have the resources you need to live. So not only do wise workers have resources, they have authority. Proverbs 12.24 says, Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Those who work hard are often the ones promoted and trusted with the responsibility to lead. It's always a poor move to promote someone who's lazy, but a diligent worker will eventually have authority over those with little effort. 1 Timothy 5.25 says, In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. So according to this verse, we should live our lives above reproach, and as such, our good works will not remain hidden, and we will be rewarded for them. Wise workers also have a reputation. Proverbs 22:29 says, Do you see any true competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Diligence will lead to skill, which leads to influence. Years ago, there was a standard regarding how political figures were required to demonstrate reputation of skill in their work. They had to be a sturdy and responsible individual, responsible to themselves, their society, and their God. And if they could not measure up to that standard, they could not qualify for public office or even popular respect. It's often said that you don't work for the reputation. You work and you will get a reputation. The diligent will receive a reputation that is fitting for the God they serve. So not only will wise workers have a good reputation, they have righteousness. Christians are called to work hard, but they're also called to work in righteousness. A shoemaker once said to Martin Luther, how should he make shoes for the glory of God? Luther responded, make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. Christians should operate in the public sphere with kindness and equity. Proverbs 16.11 says, The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. And then Proverbs 20.23 says, The Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. We are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, or at least we should be. We should work for righteousness. We bear his name, so let's conduct our business in a way that's fitting to the Lord. And not only will wise workers have righteousness, they have risk. Let me explain. There are many blessings to work, but there are also pitfalls. Bob Schultz writes in his book, Created for Work, Practical Insights for Young Man, the following. The grand quality of diligence, which is essential when you begin working, turns a man into a workaholic if not balanced. The freedoms that bless the industrious become snares when given to selfish pleasure. The diligent are tempted to forget God, trust in riches, and look down on the poor. What once was the reward of hard work quickly transforms resources to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Be on guard, Schultz writes. God designs the diligent to collect resources and talents with the goal to use them in an appropriate season for good. As always, Jesus leads us by his example. Well written, for sure. Diligence turns into a snare when people don't fear the Lord. Diligence must be placed under the protection of the fear of the Lord, as we talked about last week. It's also very easy to have work become an idol. Our work becomes an idol when we give it more importance than the Lord. Does your work have too much importance in your life? Does your work give you ultimate satisfaction? Or does it give you a sense of meaning or value? We should not be defined by our jobs, but by our king. The most important title in our lives is not senior pastor or senior vice president, but Christian. So if the main attitude of wise work is diligence, then the main attitude of foolish work is what? If you said laziness, you're right. Let's talk about it. Proverbs contrasts diligence and laziness frequently. The lazy person is wise in their own eyes and allows pleasure and ease to dominate their lives. The main problem of a lazy person is that they don't see the value of work. They don't serve others, but want others to serve them, and so there are great dangers for the lazy person. For instance, they have hunger. If the diligent are satisfied, the lazy are hungry. Proverbs 12.27 says, Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people want much to get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. At the time that this was written, it was an agrarian society. And it's with that thought in mind that one's food had to be cultivated from the land. A lazy person who refused to work the land didn't eat. It was as simple as that. Lazy people also have excuses. Lazy people are just full of excuses for not doing work, and they hem and haw when they're asked to work. Proverbs 26, 13 and 14 says, The lazy person claims, There's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. A lazy person can always find a reason not to complete the task. They put off to tomorrow what they should do today. A lazy person may do the work, but they give excuses why mediocre work is okay. When I was 15 years old, I used to hire out to several of my parents' friends to weed their flower gardens. It was a tedious, boring job. Sometimes those weeds were really, really small, and if I pulled at the top and it broke off, that meant I left the root underneath the soil. So in an effort to take the easy way out, I would cover up that part of the weed I didn't get instead of digging up the root. No one would know the difference, right? <laughs> Wrong. Mr. Hadley knew the difference. Lord have mercy, the man knew every time I pulled the top of a weed and didn't get the root. He could pinpoint him even though I covered him up with dirt. Don't know how he did it, but was trying to cut the corner, take the easy way out. Folks, be on guard for excuses in your work. Serve gladly and with a cheerful heart, whether at work or home or in the church. And remember, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Lazy workers also have hatred. Lazy people don't love their neighbors. Our work is an expression of our love for God and our love for our neighbor. Laziness doesn't serve others and should be taken seriously. We can't minimize the sin of laziness. Proverbs 10.26 says, Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Proverbs 18.9 says, A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. And then the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4.28 how the new life in Christ should change our work habits. He says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So how one worked in and for the community was a sign of their faith. Do you view your work as a way to love your neighbor and community? Lazy workers also have helpers. We all have tendencies to live as lazy people in different areas, but we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. There seems to be an epidemic amongst young people today who have an aversion to hard work. The problem is not with the young people, though, but with the people who enable and actually accept that behavior. If you serve the flesh, the flesh will grow. It doesn't serve our children or Christian brothers and sisters to enable someone else's laziness. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 10 to 15, Paul warns the Thessalonians how to handle laziness. This is what he says. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would warn a brother and sister. We are obligated to warn people of the dangers of laziness. The world may tolerate laziness, but Christ does not. Lazy people don't love the community, but love themselves. Those who love themselves do not love God, and they, my friends, are in danger. Beloved, as we wrap up today, I want to say that God has redeemed our work through the gospel. Amen? Who we work for is far more important than what we do. We serve Jesus through our work, so we should approach our work as the way to honor God, our Savior. We should allow God to use our work to sanctify us and to serve our neighbors. We should approach our jobs not as a means to an end, but as an expression of our Christian discipleship for the glory of God. Paul tells Titus in Titus 2.14 that Jesus Christ gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Word to the wise. Jesus Christ laid down his life so that we could work diligently for his glory. God's people should care about their jobs. Our jobs matter to God. He died and rose again to purify us to work to display God's glory. Our work does not save us, but it is a sign of God's grace in our lives. God allows us to work, so let us work for the good of our neighbors and the glory of God. Would you join me in a closing prayer today? Lord, I admit that I don't always want to work and often I don't look forward to it. But please help me to see work as the gift that you've given and empower me when I need it to do the job you've called me to do. All this and more in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.